0: If you would open your Bibles please to Mark chapter 15 Mark chapter 15 Verse number 37 With a loud cry Jesus breathed his last Jesus has died As I mentioned last Sunday When we come to the passion and suffering of Jesus We may tend to discount them as we fail to appreciate or remember the humanity of Jesus as a result we may see his suffering as simply a matter of checking off items on a list praying in the garden of Gethsemane that what was about to happen wouldn't happen, check betrayed, check abandoned by all his disciples check, being put on trial and false witnesses testifying against him, check Peter denying him, check Being mocked and beaten, check. Being taken to Pilate, a Gentile, check. Being flogged and scourged, check. Being crucified, check. Dying, check. If we are not careful, we may view these events, though not consciously, we may view them as theater, beginning with Jesus praying in the garden, We view him in light of his divinity And so we think Jesus knew what was going to happen So his praying with great emotion Is just seen as theater And not genuine As I mentioned last week As we've gone through the gospel of Mark I've been struck by the mystery of the incarnation At certain points Jesus knows things supernaturally If I could put it this way And at other times He doesn't know What we would think he should know And chapter 2, when healing the paralytic, let down through the roof. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? So he knew. He knew what they were thinking. But in chapter 5, we have a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped. And she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He knew. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the crowd, the people crowding around you, the disciples answered, and yet you ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it, seemingly not knowing who had done it. He knew something had happened. He didn't know who it was that had touched him. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Be freed from your suffering. So he knew, but then he didn't know. And then in chapter 13, one of the disciples said, Look, teacher, Looking at the temple What massive stones What magnificent buildings Do you see all these buildings All these great buildings Replied Jesus Not one stone here will be left on another Everyone will be thrown down I tell you the truth This generation will certainly not pass away Until all these things have happened No one knows about that day or hour Not even the angels in heaven Nor the sun but only the Father. So Jesus knew that the temple was going to be destroyed and he knew it would happen within a generation, but he did not know the day or the hour, only the Father knew. And so we're faced with uh, a mystery of the person of Jesus, fully human and fully divine. Why is it that he knew some things but others he did not? That is a part of the mystery of the person of Jesus. We must acknowledge his humanity And not simply in having a body But in his emotions as well Do you imagine that he felt nothing When he was betrayed When all his disciples abandoned him When Peter denied him When false witnesses lied about him When the high priest accused him of blasphemy When he was mocked When he heard the crowd shouting Crucify him Do you imagine that this did not touch him This is the third sermon In which I've asked the following questions Have you ever been betrayed by a close friend Have you ever had someone Who you thought was a friend Not stand up for you When you face a difficult situation And act like they didn't know you Turning away from you Have you ever had your friends abandon you When you needed them most The resulting pain is described by Heman the Ezrahite in Psalm 88. You have taken my companions and loved ones from me. The darkness is my closest friend. Or as the message has it, the only friend I have left is darkness. Then there was the physical suffering. And this part we usually, we get this part because he had a body it's, it's the other part, I think, that we tend to forget. He was beaten, the crown of thorns put on his head, he was flogged, and then he was crucified. As I mentioned last week, crucifixion was a method of displaying people in the most cruel circumstances possible. The purpose of crucifixion was not simply to kill. It's not simply a matter of execution, but to dehumanize To degrade the person to the fullest extent. The person being crucified was deliberately dehumanized to the point of being unrecognizable. As one commentator put it about the crucifixion, Jesus with the two criminals, three men pinned up on crosses like insects, exposed to the mockery of the passerby as it was a ritual of humiliation. Do we imagine that he felt nothing? Yes, the physical pain, we get that part. But emotion in his heart, in his mind, did he feel nothing? Finally, there is the greatest mystery of all. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The pain that is found in these words do we imagine that he's reading from a script? Okay, I'm supposed to say seven things when I'm on the cross, and this is one of them. Is that what we think? These words, do they are, in fact, the first line of Psalm 22. Um, but the story, I think, of the suffering of Jesus and his passion and his death are so familiar to us that we may fail to fully take in what he suffered We failed to recognize that he faced the terror, the horror of death. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. Jesus died. He really did. Some have argued that he just lost consciousness. No, he died. The Romans knew how to kill people. They were good at it. They'd been doing it for quite a while. They knew when someone was dead. But at this point in the story, Mark takes sort of a detour. He makes a turn, one might say even unexpected. In verses 40 and 41, he talks about several women. Look, if you would, at verses 40 and 41. Some women were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the younger and of Joseph and of Salome. In Galilee, these women had followed him and cared for his needs. Many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were there also. We discover for the first time that there had been women accompanying Jesus during his teaching ministry, accompanying Jesus and the disciples. Why did Mark tell us this earlier? I think a better question is, why is he telling us this now? Um, Before I answer that question or attempt to, I would simply say, that Mark was careful in constructing his gospel. As we have seen, the first part of the gospel up to chapter 10 is not chronological, okay? And Mark makes a very strong point of Jesus' use of parables as a medium of teaching and of his actions. But from chapter 11, when Jesus enters into Jerusalem till the end of the book, we do in fact have a chronology of the last week of Jesus. So back to the question, Why does Mark mention the women now? Because they were there at the crucifixion. Some women were watching from a distance. Because they saw where Jesus was buried. We'll get uh, to this in a few minutes. But if you look at verse number 47. Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Joseph saw where he was laid. And thirdly because they were the first witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus. We'll see this in a few moments when we go into chapter 16. So now is the right time to mention the women. Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, the younger, and of Joseph. And then Salome. Usually when we think of Salome, we think of the daughter of Herodias who did the famous dance. This Salome is the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee. She's not mentioned by name in Matthew, uh, But in fact, she is the one, if you may remember, if you know from Matthew, uh, the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it that you want? He asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in the kingdom. So she must have been traveling with Jesus and the disciples as he went around teaching. So we have these three women who are mentioned. There are other women but these three women are mentioned specifically. Now from verse 42 to 46 somebody else is mentioned and that is Joseph of Arimathea. First of all we're given verse number 42. It gives us a time a timeline. It was preparation day, that is the day before the Sabbath. So as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. When he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So Joseph brought some linen, took down the body, wrapped it in the linen, and placed it in a tomb cut out of rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary sorry, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph saw where he was laid. So verse 42 gives us the, the, the time that it is it 's a day of preparation it 's a day before the Sabbath. I think uh, Mark includes this for those who may not fam- be familiar, like us, that the day of preparation is a day before Sabbath. And then Joseph of Arimathea is introduced. He's from the hometown of Samuel. He's from Rama, so Arimathea. He's a member of the Sanhedrin. Interesting enough, the Sanhedrin that condemned Jesus to death. He's waiting for the kingdom of God. He, like Nicodemus, were secret disciples of Jesus because they feared what would happen to them. But something changes when Jesus dies. Joseph went boldly To Pilate It's a risky action The one who has been crucified Was crucified On the charge of sedition And now you want his body You seem to be showing sympathy Are you of the same persuasion As this person Peter was frightened by A young maiden Joseph With boldness goes to the governor And ask for the body of Jesus Pilate can't believe that Jesus is dead I mean at this point Jesus was on the cross for six hours plus Uh, The way Romans did things um, Yeah that They would last for days They would suffer for days And for Jesus to be dead In six or seven or eight hours It didn't seem possible one of the reasons that Joseph went to Pilate is it was against the Mosaic law to leave a body on a tree overnight Deuteronomy 21:22 If a man is guilty of a capital offense if a man guilty of a capital offense is put to death and his body is hung on a tree you must not leave his body on the tree overnight be sure to bury him that same day because anyone who is hung on a tree is under God's curse Paul mentions this in Galatians. You must not desecrate the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. Joseph does not want Jesus to be left on the cross, on the tree, overnight. He asks Pilate. Pilate's amazed. Pilate sends for the centurion. The centurion says, yes, he's dead. And so he gives the body to Joseph. As I said, the crucifixion was meant to cause the person to suffer. Yeah, in six or seven hours, that's not enough suffering in the Roman eyes. Pilate is amazed that he's dead. We would say that Joseph did not want Jesus to be there overnight. That is true. There's something else. I mean, it's like, I wanna keep the law. I don't want somebody to be on a tree overnight, on a cross overnight. But then he was willing to make himself unclean, ritually unclean, by touching a dead body. In Numbers 19, whoever touches the dead body of anyone will be unclean for seven days. It's Passover time. The Sabbath is right. It's the next day. And yet Joseph is willing. He, ta- he gets some linen cloth. He takes the body of Jesus down from the cross, wraps it in linen and puts it in a tomb cut out of rock we're given additional information in John chapter 19 that it was not only Joseph of Arimathea but Nicodemus as well and they wrap the body but not simply with linen but also with uh, myrrh and aloes about 75 pounds worth it's a lot they do that so that the body will not smell as it decomposes Jesus is laid in the tomb And a stone is rolled against the entrance In John 11 The story of the raising of Lazarus uh, He was buried It was a cave and there was a stone Against the entrance So Mary Magdalene And Mary the mother of Joseph They saw where Jesus In fact had been laid They knew where he was buried okay? Just about Joseph of Arimathea To bury the body of Jesus Joseph was prepared to face Uncleanness Suspicion And even possible charges For being an associate of Jesus But he did it anyway Now we come to chapter 16 And in 8 verses Mark tells us of the resurrection of Jesus When the Sabbath was over So things to think about. First of all, when the Sabbath was over, that means sunset on Saturday. So after sunset Saturday, Saturday night, these women bought the spices. Okay. The next morning, very early in the morning, just after sunrise, they are on their way to the tomb. So there's sort of a you know, overnight this they have the spices with them and they take them uh, the next morning. And as they're going to the tomb, Because Mary Magdalene And Mary the mother of James and Joseph Had seen where Jesus was uh, Laid in the tomb They were like Sort of like we forgot How are we going to roll the stone away It's a very large stone We're told in verse number 4 How would they get into the tomb To anoint the body of Jesus The answer is when they get there The stone has been rolled away Someone has rolled it away Or so it appeared. Meaning that now they can, in fact, go in and anoint the body of Jesus. But they go in and instead they see a young man dressed in white. Um, Something so obvious that we miss. They don't see the body of Jesus. Jesus is not there. Okay. But they see him, this young man, and they are alarmed. He is an angel. We've seen angels in the Old Testament. Uh. By the way, why, it, why doesn't Mark just say there was an angel? Um, I don't know. But those reading this would have, if they're familiar with the Old Testament, would recognize that, in fact, this was an angel. I mean, from the two angels who rescued Lot out of Sodom, all through the Old Testament, we see angels in human form. The angel says to them, don't be alarmed. Don't be afraid. Mentioned this before, but do not fear, do not be afraid, don't be alarmed. This is the most repeated command in scripture not love your neighbor, not anything having to do with love, but fear. Because we saw when Adam and Eve sinned, they covered themselves, Adam hid from God, and God's like, What are you doing? He's like, I was afraid, I heard your voice, and I was afraid. You're looking for Jesus. He's not here. The one who is crucified is risen. You're looking for him. See for yourselves. He, in fact, is not here. I I find it interesting. This, in fact, could have been a good time, a teachable moment, if you wish, to rebuke these women and to say, Listen, did not Jesus say to you? This is from chapter 10. We are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and hand him over to the Gentiles, who will mock him and spit on him, flog him, and kill him. All that has happened, right, ladies? It's all happened, right? Three days later, he will rise. Now, one might argue, well, it hasn't been like three 24-hour days Yet. But they are prepared to anoint him As though he's not going to rise Anytime soon They were acting as though Jesus would remain in the tomb But the angel doesn't rebuke them He says come on in Look for yourselves See where they laid him And he gives them a message Go tell his disciples and Peter He is going ahead of you into Galilee there you will see him just as he told you Peter singled out I think we know why He is the one who Who denied Jesus The others ran But he denied Jesus And the message that Jesus had told his disciples When he said they would abandon him uh, You will all fall away okay? But after I have risen I will go ahead of you into Galilee This is the same message Jesus told the disciples, you go and repeat the message to them that in fact he will meet them in Galilee. One more thing. Why was the angel there? Was the angel there to roll the stone away? No. Jesus in his resurrected body in a way that we don't fully understand uh, could pass through walls. So Jesus didn't need somebody to roll the stone away. Okay. The angel is there for the women He's there to give them the message The stone is rolled away So that the women And then later Peter and John Can come in Because in reality The stone didn't have to be rolled away Jesus would be resurrected anyway But this is the proof This is the evidence And how do they respond We would think that rejoicing, yes. No, they're afraid. Verse number eight, trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. There are those who say, and in the NIV versions that you have, uh, that this is the end of the book of Mark. I disagree, and I'll talk about this next Sunday, okay? But I do think that this verse fits in with the rest of the Gospel of Mark. What we find are two things, a lack of understanding and fear. These seem to be two prominent themes throughout the book. In chapter 4, that day when evening was come, uh, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind him, they took him along, just as he was in the boat, They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. In chapter 5, after he cast out the legion, the unclean spirits, out of the man who was in the tombs in Garrison, uh, when they, that is the people living in a town, came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. In chapter 6 when Jesus walked on the water But when they that his disciples saw him walking on the lake They thought he was a ghost They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified In chapter 9 he said The son of man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men They will kill him and after three days he will rise But they did not understand what he meant And were afraid to ask him about it this is a pattern we find throughout the Gospel of Mark. When given the truth, they failed to understand it and instead were afraid. I wonder if we are any different. I think we may fail to appreciate what is being said and we may be afraid, alarmed, terrified. And like the three women who said nothing to anyone because They were afraid. We may be exactly the same. We may think, you know, if I had been there, I would have have been very different. If I had gone into the tomb with the women, I wouldn't have been afraid. I would have begun to sing a song of thanksgiving. Uh, I would have responded differently if I saw an angel, if I realized that Jesus had been raised from the dead. If I'd been given a message, I would gladly share the message. Yeah, I suspect we would have been just like the women. We would have been afraid, terrified, and uh, yeah, I think we would have been just like them. There's much more that could be said about this passage, and the Lord willing, we will look at the issue of the resurrection in depth next Sunday. Uh, I will just say this, that the resurrection is the pivotal event in human history. The pivotal event. Everything changes after the resurrection. The new creation has begun. Jesus is raised from the dead with a new creation body. It is the pivotal event. And if you look at the quote that uh, Tom read to us earlier today, it isn't simply, ooh, look what God can do. God can raise somebody from the dead. Well, we've seen Jesus do that during his earthly ministry. It's a demonstration of God's power. It is that. I'm not going to say that it is not. But it is much, much more than that. It is the decisive event Your kingdom come Your will be done On earth as it is in heaven Yeah Jesus is raised from the dead We should not be alarmed We should not be afraid But we should in fact rejoice The Lord willing We will look further into the resurrection And the last 12 verses Of the gospel of Mark Let's pray together. Our Father, we are treading on familiar territory. I ask that we have done so reverently, soberly, even as we read of Joseph. Taking down the body of Jesus And wrapping it in linen May our Imagination, our vision of this Not be clinical May there be Deep reverence When we think of what Jesus went through May we not imagine him to be an Actor Playing a role in a theatrical production This is the Son of God, the Son of Man, fully human, fully divine, and He suffered in our place. And then you raised Him from the dead. Hallelujah. But sometimes we are like the women We are alarmed, we are afraid, we are terrified. We don't tell anyone because of our fear. We're grateful that after a period of time you poured out your spirit to give boldness to your disciples, the apostles and others, to proclaim the gospel. We thank you for Joseph of Arimathea who for whatever reason Lost his fear And was willing to go to Pilate Was willing To be unclean For seven days Was willing To be thought of with suspicion But he took the body of Jesus And laid it in the tomb Where Jesus did not remain But in fact Was raised from the dead Again this is so familiar to us May you Holy Spirit work in our hearts Make us sensitive to the reality Of what Jesus has done And may we give thanks I thank you for bringing us together today May your spirit and your grace go with us As we leave this place We pray for those that will be traveling For Grant and Priya, Joel and Ori For those that are recovering For Tom, for Rob, for Lonnie and others May we each have a sense of your presence As we walk through the world in this coming week I pray in Jesus' name Amen.